0: Some nights you're just tired, you're really tired, and all you wanna do is get a good night's sleep. You go to bed thinking that that is gonna happen, and at two in the morning you're standing on the deck in your underwear in the rain because the boat's dragging and all
1: chaos is, is breaking loose in the anchorage.
2: This is the Travel and Van Life podcast from Jets into the Sunset.
1: We're Tanya and Adam and this is the podcast where we talk all things travel, adventure and road trips.
2: Through our experience and with conversations with others who, like us, have chosen an alternative lifestyle.
1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Travel, Adventure and and road trips podcast
2: I did say to Adam before this is it getting formulaic that we're that we're saying the same thing every week
1: I like it that's just how I'm going to introduce the podcast whenever it's my turn to introduce <laughs> the podcast that's how I'm going to do it I like it got well, my line
2: well, if you're new here, we're Tanya and Adam.
1: A.K.A. Jits into the Sunset over on YouTube.
2: And if in case you're wondering why we're called Jits into the Sunset, is because we live and travel full time in our camper van Jits, which is where we are right now, like we always are.
1: We always are. And there you go. That is that is also formulaic. So you always say that and I always introduce, so it's fine.
2: Okay, fine, fine. fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so now, now you know where we are, who we are, what we're up to. And yeah, let's talk about this week's episode because... I want to say, I mean, you know, from the the title of this episode, this is about sailing. Boat life. Boat life. And a few years before Adam and I met, I went down the rabbit hole of YouTube on me binging minimalism videos, tiny home videos, van life videos, and also videos about boat life. And it was something that always intrigued me, being able to... Be in your little home, but also travel. And obviously, we've now done that through van life. But boat life is just a complete different ballgame. It's a
1: much higher bar of entry, I think, to live on a boat. Whereas living in a van, I mean, most people... You've got a driving license, so you're already one step closer than most people who don't know how to sail a boat. So I think it's just, yeah, it's just another really fascinating world mm. that we haven't delved into as much. We've spoken to a lot of people in the van life community and yeah, boat life. I think we're hoping to speak to some more boat life people as well in the future.
2: Oh, yeah. And yeah. also people who cycle. What is it? Cycle backpacking? Oh,
1: yeah. Um, bike packing.
2: Oh, yeah. That. And also, I want to chat to people who motorcycle the world. Yeah. We've got a long list.
1: There you go. Yeah. So, all the different ways of just doing this incredible travel. Of course, van lifers as well. And we will be speaking to many more van lifers. Fret not.
2: (laughs) But back to boat life. And in this episode, we're talking to two boat lifers who, like many people, they just had a dream of doing it. They had no experience. And then they decided, wouldn't that be nice? Let's go for it. And then took the steps to do it.
1: Yeah, after a chance encounter with a goose, but we get onto that when we're talking to podcasts, it's a very unique story. <laughs> um, yeah, these guys, they're, they're very fascinating, they're great conversationalists, and yeah, actually, fun fact, uh, Ryan, oh, have we even said who they are yet?
2: No, we haven't, we haven't said Oh, we're the worst host ever. We are the
1: ever. worst host ever. So it is Sophie and Ryan from... Ryan and Sophie. Oh, Ryan is Sophie. Same names, but yeah, you're right. It's Ryan and Sophie sailing mm-hmm. over on YouTube. Um, And of course, we've already said they live on their boat and travel full time and have done for the last four years. And mm-hmm. they've traveled to some incredible places. Honestly, we asked them to list off all the places they've been. And it's incredible how many places they've been to and how varied it all is. And that they can remember it and just go, this place, this place, this yeah, it's amazing. Um, and fun fact, Ryan, he used to be a fighter jet pilot. So he's had a different life before being a full time boat lifer. So, yeah, it's, it's very fascinating.
2: And an elite marathon runner as well. Mm. So, yeah, very... Um,
1: man of many caps.
2: Yeah, man of many caps. And together they have sailed 25,000 nautical miles. That sounds like a lot to me.
1: It is a lot. I I don't know exactly the difference between a nautical mile and a land mile, but I imagine they're quite similar.
2: As you can tell, we have very little knowledge on boat life. So if you're like us and you're just boat life curious, then this is the episode for you.
1: So we recorded this podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago now and uh, we were broken down. This is some of the some of the challenges we have to deal with recording a podcast remotely. So the starter motor wasn't working. So we're broken down on the side of a road, a quite busy road. So there's some traffic noise. Uh, we didn't have great internet either. And that's one of the, the other parts of this podcast is because we're interviewing people who are off traveling full time. By the very nature of that, we end up speaking to people in really random parts of the world in random corners here there and everywhere and with that obviously comes the struggle for internet connection so we battled through and luckily ryan and sophie were so so good they're absolutely naturals we just asked them a question and then just off they'd go answering so we didn't need to worry at all about the internet connection and yeah we think Against all odds, this is actually a really, really good episode, and we're really excited to share it with you.
2: Yeah, and you forgot one other thing.
1: Oh, diesel heater. The
2: diesel heater. Yeah, and yeah something else had broken the diesel heater, so we were, with our layers, frozen as we recorded this. Yeah, it's this. been very
1: cold. It's been a very cold January. Um, cold snap. But the heater, thankfully, the heater is working. It just had an error code, so I was a bit nervous to use it until someone actually had a look at it and told me it was fine, or until I'd at least done a bit more Googling. So yeah, good news is we can be warm he is off now though because it makes a funny noise when we're recording so we'd probably had it off anyway to be honest (laughs) um so without further ado should we get into the conversation yeah let's go chat to them
2: ryan and sophie a big welcome to the show thank you so much for joining us
0: thank you yeah
2: thanks for having us whereabouts are you okay so
3: we are sailors but right now we are in a beautiful sailing country of iowa in the middle of the united states
0: where it's cold and snowy yeah
3: Uh, wonderful wonderful uh no we're on a winter break in uh, ryan's parents basement
1: that's right. Glamorous, <laughs> like
3: starting off, starting off the right way. Hi, our life is so glamorous. <laughs> we
1: live in a basement. <laughs> That's amazing. So it's not quite the uh, blue seas that people might be uh, visualizing when they think that we're speaking to full-time boat lifers. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, we can, we can probably get into a little bit more of
0: why we're on, on a break later. But that's right. Uh, it's not always on the blue seas and beaches and margaritas. So. That's
3: right. In fact, the biggest advice that we give people who get started in this lifestyle and are super excited about, you know, the change and the dream that living on a boat often is, is, uh, you know, at some points you're going to have to take a break and you should do it. There is, uh, you know, shouldn't have bad feelings about taking a little land break because that's what you should do. <laughs> damn look at that like one minute into this podcast we're already giving advice that's amazing
2: <laughs> Love it, Value.
1: that's it value immediately but no you're absolutely right like a lot of people i think who do full-time travel and or thinking about full-time whatever it is van life boat life often feel like giving up and taking a break is like a failure and you go well i'm not a real boat lifer or i'm not a real van lifer and that's just it's just yeah. absolutely not true it's not about how long you do it for it's about how much you're enjoying it and there's no point in Doing it to like try and clock up the years or the months that you've done it full time. It's, it's not the point. Um, but we want to start this podcast by asking a question that I didn't think I would. Ever ask anybody, oh. um, and that is, how did a goose completely change the trajectory of both of your lives? <laughs>
3: oh man, I guess that's a bit unique, huh? Well, let, <laughs> let us start by wishing all of you listening that uh, you never crossed the path of an angry goose. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right. Do you want to tell the story or should, should I?
3: I will tell the story. You can tell. I, I tell it a lot. You so do? You can- Uh, You can add
0: your own twist to it.
3: So three months before the event, I had met this guy on Tinder named Ryan, who was wearing a Ninja Turtle costume on his Tinder profile pic. And I thought that, wow, that's a funny dude. And so (laughs) we met at a bar. We closed the bar. We didn't have dinner. Uh, Ryan was, in fact, a funny dude. (laughs) And uh, pretty quickly, I think that you and I connected over um, our love of adventures and our ambition to maybe do something a bit different with our lives. And we were both working corporate at the time. And one day I was at the office and I received a phone call from Ryan's sister who told me Ryan was attacked by a goose. He's at the <laughs> hospital with a dislocated shoulder. They're putting him under so that, he can, so that they can put his shoulder back in place. I was like, what? Excuse <laughs> me? <laughs> uh, and the thing at that time is that Ryan was a big time rock climber, big um, yeah, adventure sport type person and was looking at climbing Chohayu, I think,
0: yeah.
3: in uh, Nepal that same year. Uh, and at the same time, he was training for Stokhan Marathon. And that's when the goose attack happened because he was on a long run and crossed the path of this angry goose who was protecting <laughs> her babies, uh, <laughs> run away, uh, fell in a puddle of mud and dislocated the shoulder. Uh, so what happened is all those big adventure plans, uh, Stockholm Marathon and all those kind of fell apart in that moment. Though I still remember you telling me, no, it's fine, Stockholm Marathon is only in a month. I totally have the time to recover. (laughs) And of course, the dude is looking at a complete reconstructive surgery of his shoulder. I'm like, yeah, right, you try that. Uh, (laughs) That did not happen. So Ryan was a little sad, Uh, very sad. Uh, A lot of times people who sustain big injuries uh, grieve their Mm -hmm. ability for a while. And so at that time he was browsing on the internet, as I think we we often do these days. And he found an article about a couple named Matt and Jessica who uh had quit their jobs, bought a sailboat and started sailing the world while knowing nothing about sailing. And Ryan sent me uh that article on a WhatsApp message and was like, oh look at that. That looks cool. And I was like, oh hell yeah, I would do that. And so that's
2: that's what happened.
0: That's what happened, yeah. We did
3: that. That's the origin story.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And do you know what I find interesting? I mean, I think it's great that we can all laugh about it now because what are the chances? Like, you know, both of you endurance athletes and out there doing adventure, you know, Ryan, you were rock climbing. You would think that if there was ever going to be an accident, it was going to be something, maybe like the rock climbing or something like this. Never in your wildest dreams would you have thought that it was all going to come down to a goose. And I think, you know, it's great that we can laugh about it now. But as you just mentioned there, Sophie, you know, Ryan, you felt really, really down and sad, and you were, I guess, you, you you talked about falling into a deep depression after the accident and also grieving the loss of I guess that identity that was was so attached to this adventure and athlete and all of these plans that you that you had in mind. So would love to hear from you. How did you deal with this? So just to take you back to your mental headspace where where were you at and how did you how did you deal with these struggles
0: I mean it was my you're absolutely right that like you would think injuries would come from the big things that you're doing but oftentimes it's not the case it's it's something else that catches you from left field
3: a goose (laughs) like
0: a goose and um, (laughs) yeah it was my first big injury in my life it was the first time like something major like that had happened it was my first big reconstructive surgery and the doctor that I had um in Stockholm uh which is where we were living at the time uh had did a lot of these surgeries on athletes and he told me you know later on that it's it's really common that they they have athletes that have to get put on antidepressants or have to go Mm. to special counseling after these surgeries because it just changes somebody's life in such a dramatic Mm. way and I, I'm just sitting here thinking about the whole process that, you know, Sophie, you said that we had just met three months before, which is true. Mm-hmm. And then I get attacked by a goose, which is a crazy story. And then you were moving apartments and I was sitting on your apartment oh floor God. crying about how upset I was, you know, and how like life was mm-hmm. kind of over. And
3: also you were not helping me move. It. And I
0: wasn't helping her move because I only had one arm. It was
3: not supposed to be funny. But at that time, I, th- I remember telling you, you know, Ryan, I know that right now it's really hard, but I'm mm. sure that down the road, because you and I have good attitude and we're positive people, we're going to make something good out of it. Yeah. And we're going to look back at that time and tell ourselves, man, we did something good with it.
0: Yeah. Well, what I was... your high five. Yeah. High five. What I was getting to was uh, more that like you stayed with me because <laughs> it was pretty early on in the Aww. relationship. So uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of dark times there, but as Sophie said, you know, those those times in your lives allow you to choose different paths. And this, this idea just popped into mind. And within a year after, you know, the whole situation happened, we had taken sailing lessons. Sophie and I, neither of us were sailors, Um, but we had taken sailing lessons. We had bought a boat and we had made plans to, you know, change our life trajectory together. Uh, And that was something really positive that came out of it, but you don't always get to see those positives until many years down the road. The negatives usually pop up very quickly. (laughs) Uh, And I think that's what's really hard sometimes with these big life changes, because you just see the darkness in front of you instead of looking forward to the light.
3: But I think that it's also fine to let yourself feel grief, you know, like Mm. you, you can't just ignore that it's there. I think that it's healthy to yeah. let yourself feel those emotions and and be sad about these things in your lives that you're missing because of what happened to you and the unfairness of it all. So you did well.
1: I think it's, it's really interesting to think about you going through this. It, it might be something that's quite different for you and your personality to deal with than it might be like kind of the average person, I guess, because like falling over, breaking your arm, obviously horrible thing to deal with, but for a lot of people, their lives would stay pretty much normal, not a lot would change for them. They'd just like have to deal with the like, you know, <laughs> the inconvenience of not being able to use an arm for a little while. But for you, obviously, because of your your nature and because of what you're passionate about, because of the fact that you're, you're constantly active, it was a bigger deal for you. So it became a bit of a like something that that sat with you. Um. I guess the, the big question is, why did reading the article about Matt and Jessica living on their boat, why did that influence you so much? Why did it resonate with you so much to do such a big life change?
2: Especially when you didn't have any experience of living on a boat, that is a, a massive challenge to, to take on.
1: It's not easy. It's not the easy thing to do. When you're in that position, you're on a crossroads, you took the hard route. And I'm just wondering, yeah, why? What drove you to do that?
0: It's, it's kind of interesting. When I read that article, I. It was my mindset was more like, oh, yeah, you know what? This is so awesome. These guys bought a house. Don't know how much that cost them, but I thought it could be pretty inexpensive. And they don't have to buy like fuel or anything, the wind just like takes them around the world. And you know, all we gotta buy is like the boat and some food and stuff. And this is gonna be, we get to like go to beaches and it's gonna be beautiful. And like, what are we doing with our lives? This is such a simple thing to do. Let's just do it. It's gonna be so cheap. It's gonna be so cheap and so easy. And we're gonna go to beautiful places. That was like my thinking behind it all. So that was like the attraction initially.
3: Okay, 7 years later we know that all of this was uh, not true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all of it was a lie. But uh, that was what drew, that was what like kind of inspired and it was just so different. It was so different from everything that we had been mm. doing. I think that that was the yeah. the the thing that inspired me to do it. And then I think the fact that you initially you didn't you didn't it was no hesitation sophie it was like yeah i would do that or that was something that interests me and i just thought because we were so new in our relationship i was like okay wow like you're supportive of these crazy ideas that i have sometimes let's let's do this let's see what happens Mm. i just thought that was cool
3: i also think that matt and jessica looked just like us you know they were they were like us they were the same age about the same background they also had you know, no experience before they did that. And so I was like, yeah, we can totally do it or do it too.
1: It gave some confidence,
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. That's, that's really cool. It's amazing to hear that you got inspired so directly by them and now you're friends with them. It's, it's really cool. Um So would it be fair to say then that you got swept up by this dream without really understanding what you were about to undertake? And what were the, what were the biggest learnings along the way? And wh- when was the moment when you suddenly realized, oh, this isn't easy, this isn't just um, gonna be a simple thing, this is actually quite a challenge and we need to like do, is this something we really want to do? Did you ever have a moment like that?
3: I don't think that we ever felt that this was going to be easy. We always knew that there was going to be a lot of milestones down the road for us to go from zero to be cruisers and sail full time. The one thing that we did not expect was how expensive it was going to be. We thought that it was. We didn't think that it was going to cost as much as it did. We knew that it was going to cost money, of course. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. We were not. We never. We were not under the misconception that it was going to be easy. And I think that, to be fair, it was probably easier than we thought to learn to sail, build up a bit of experience, although we had our challenges. Mm-hmm. By oh wow! Buy the boat. Um, the logistics of it were easy.
0: Yeah, I'd say we we both probably have slightly different views on it just because of our background, because uh, I come from an aviation background. You didn't. That, um, and I think that that influenced a little bit. But Sophie's right. The sailing part turned out to be pretty easy. The The thing that I wasn't prepared for was all the other things around it that we were going to have to learn. So you you mentioned it before, Sophie, like logistics. um, I guess, here, put it another way, on a sailboat, you're not just a sailor, you're a plumber, you're an electrician, you're a logistics manager, you're the counselor to your partner, you're the cook, you're the housekeeper, you're, you're kind of everything, which you aren't necessarily in normal land life. And that that like concentration of all those jobs, um, I was not prepared for when we left.
2: It's really interesting because I I think you can draw some parallels with that and Van line of course, are very different. But I think the expectations versus the reality is something that always hits people because you know from our perspective and from talking to other people in the van life community for example you always think you're going to have all of this spare time to just spend time in nature and all of it but it's the planning the logistics the inevitable breakdowns that happen yeah
1: things things are always going wrong so to give you an idea we're currently we're on the side of a road, our starter motor isn't working uh, and our heater isn't working and it's just constantly things like that and I'm sure you guys have had the same where there's just one thing after another, it's just troubleshooting, troubleshooting and you know, even if you're not doing it yourself, you have to get to the place where the experts are going to do it for you and it's just constantly things to think about, it's not always just go out there and adventure. There's so many other things to consider alongside that.
2: And I think what's really interesting that you said, Ryan, is that actually the difference is that when you are living in a van and you're on land, we can call upon experts. We can call the AA to come and pick us up. But the difference is you have to be so much more self-reliant, independent, and the stakes are so much higher because you're essentially talking about life or death experiences or you know, that, that, that 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 could come your way. and
1: yeah, things are things that go wrong have the potential to go a lot worse on a boat out in the middle of nowhere than than wherever you are in a van yeah. because you' will almost always be able to pull into a mechanic or at least a layby.
3: <laughs> yeah. but to be fair, you know uh, another a mi- a big misconception that people have when talking about the sailing lifestyle is that we do extreme sailing all the time. Right. Yeah. That uh, in order to be a cruiser, you need to be able to cross ocean and go through the storms, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And it really doesn't have to be that way. You can be a full time cruiser and only day sail for years hmm. before you do your first uh, night passage. Um, now it turns out that Ryan and I like a good ocean crossing, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, not everybody needs to do that. So. The amount of times where we never had a life or death situation. We had some moments where it was uncomfortable, but we never really get ourselves in situations where we're like, oh shit, now we're we're in the we're in the pooper.
0: <laughs> I mean we've been in scary situations, sure. Uh, and situations that we um, without us have having been so thoughtful and so well planned out, yeah. that could have been very bad. Yes, absolutely. Um, but that's kind of a testament to how we look at things. I, I mean, going back to the original statement question, um, I, one thing I like to say to people is, you know, think about how much free time you have in normal land life. You know, you have a weekend, the weekend's filled with... A variety of activities and maybe you have five percent of your work week that you get to actually sit down and enjoy <laughs> the, the the things of life and the rest of it you're working you're taking care of tasks you're doing all these things and it's no different when you really carry over to van life or to boating life you have a lot of responsibilities and then you get to move your home and being very beautiful places so during that time that you have free you get to experience a lot of new things exciting things beautiful things Um, but it doesn't necessarily increase the amount of time that you have free to do those things
3: no but it does give your time the time that you spend doing what you do more
0: meaning yeah yeah that's a good point
2: yeah, absolutely. And I think to draw on the parallel with boat life and van life, yeah, it is it, it is more time consuming than you would imagine, because you're constantly, you know, van life, you're chasing resources, you're doing the logistic planning. And yeah, in, in order in order to get to one thing you have to move so many others it's like a game of Tetris and yeah it's adapting to a completely different way of life because also it's it's a tiny home and you're in a small space and also as a couple so you're navigating your relationship on in a tiny home and I guess I would love to talk about relationship and how what that is like because it's one of our most frequently asked questions which is how do you deal with each other and how do you like do you fight a lot in such a in such a small space and <laughs> how do you navigate that and of course the difference is you know I, Adam and I we might have some scraps here and there. And it's just usually when we're hungry, it's nothing too oh, big. Really? Yeah. You know, it's just... Nothing big, nothing big. Wow, N- nothing big. I'm it's shocked. Just... <laughs> <laughs> and, um... And... At least, though, we can we can go out for a walk, get some fresh air, clear our heads, all of it. But you are compl- yeah, if you're
1: out if you're out sailing, you are yes you can't just go for a quick swim.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: Or do you?
2: Yes, <laughs> I would love to chat to you about the the learnings of of your relationship and how you manage that because I'm sure people listening will be really curious to know, particularly because you. You kind of undertook this adventure
1: Quite early Why? on. Yeah. Quite early on in your relationship. Mm-hmm.
3: Exactly. Well, to be fair, while we had the idea three months after we met, we learned to sail. Uh, I think within a year of meeting each other, and we bought the boat after we had been together for a year. So at that point, we were pretty solid. And mm-hmm. then we had the boat for another year before mm-hmm. we quit the jobs and actually started yeah. sailing full-time. So by the time we left the dock, we had been together for over two years.
0: Yeah, and we had lived together in the apartment and stuff for a while. Yeah, so we,
3: we, were, we were okay. We were okay. <laughs> but to uh, to go back to your question. How we deal with each other. Uh, The thing that happens with you and I is that when we're on a sail, on a passage, and there is no land in sight, we're on a mission, we're operating the boat. And during those moments, there is very little conflict because we're on a mission. And also, we don't see each other much.
0: That's right. Yeah, we don't uh, even see each other a lot. Because yeah, it's usually yeah. you and me sailing we're on and off
3: four so. hours on, four hours off. So there is very little opportunity for those conflicts. Usually when we arrive on land.
0: <laughs> it gets all bottled up and then all comes out whoa, at the same time.
3: So those little scraps that you mentioned, I do not relate to them at all. Yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Sarcasm
0: here.
2: Yeah.
3: Um But yeah, and going back to the fact that we are in in Iowa right now, uh for a couple of months that is how we deal with it uh, on occasion we need to take a break we mm-hmm. need to reconnect with a bit of normal life where we have space for uh, you and i to exist as individuals
0: yeah there's there's two general themes i talk to with people when they ask us about this and the first is about the things you need to prepare for before you leave and we sophie and i did this wrong because we didn't realize it at the time but you, you need to prepare three things before you leave on an adventure, whether it's uh, whether it's a big mountain climbing adventure, a van adventure, a sailboat adventure. But you need to prepare the tools that you're going to have before you go. And for us, that was our boat um, and all the equipment in it. Then you need to prepare the finances because, well, everything costs money and you have to have a way to pay for it. But then the third thing is you need to prepare yourself and your relationship or your crew or whoever's going with you. And I think that that's a piece that gets missed a lot, um, in, in these types of events. Cause you're like, well, it's my friend, it's my partner, it's my, it's my brother or sister, my, my buddies that are going with me on this adventure. And we're, we were all been friends for so long, but it's not the case because you've, you've changed the dynamic. When you step foot on the boat, you you're in a small space, you're in a life or death situation. You're in very uncomfortable situations a lot of Mm -hmm. times and everybody's own past experiences will influence how they, react or behave in that new experience. And it's all just new. So having to sit down and work through, um, you know, the potential of how that's going to be before you leave is really, really important for us. We had a couples counselor before we even left. Mm. And she, even though she really didn't understand what we were (laughs) about to do, um, (laughs) through time, she really started to understand why we were doing it. And she really helped out in those first first years of us getting going. And then I think the second piece is something that we've just learned recently in the last couple of years is that we, it's what Sophie said, but we have to take time for each other. And because we live in this small space and, you know, like, especially during this COVID period, we were, we went for like sometimes nine, 12 months living together full time in our little, little teeny boat, um, without room for ourselves. So if you think about a normal job life within a relationship, you know, you only see your partner, maybe a couple hours a day after you factor in work and sleep and, you know, going to activities. And then on the weekends, you maybe see each other a little bit longer. But for us, we see each other 24 seven, except for when you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. And we realized pretty quickly that we needed to take time To have our own lives. And so sometimes that meant going away from each other for for like longer periods, which for land lovers, (laughs) that seems very strange. (laughs) But we kind of just bank up the time and 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 do that. Right. Mm
1: hmm. I think, it's, I think it's really important and, and it's something that Tanya and I often reflect on is that, well, two months of living in a van together in a relationship is the equivalent of like a whole year of a normal relationship because exactly like you say, the intensity of spending 100% of your time together, we also work together doing, you know, our podcast and our YouTube and it's just, it can become very intense. It's 24 hours a day um, and living an unusual life. So there's obviously challenges that come into it that you have to tackle together. So yeah, it's it's interesting that you guys feel the same.
2: I also want to say how it's brilliant that you're bringing up the fact that you had a relationship counsellor because I think so often, I think now people are a lot more open about talking about therapy and how therapy has benefited them. But you don't often hear people talking about going to couples therapy because I still think that there's a stigma around it because if you're going to couples therapy oh you're on the rocks you know yeah something's wrong yes exactly I think what's really brilliant about what your approach and extremely mature is that you you wanted to make sure that you were equipping yourselves with the tools to, to communicate better. It was more preventative rather than anything else. And, and that is so valuable and, it, and it's a great lesson um, for, for other people. And out of that, I'd love to know what is it that you've learned about your relationships through therapy together? And at,
1: through your experience together.
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, about yourselves and you know, individually and any advice that you have for others.
1: You want to start with that?
0: <laughs> it's a loaded. You know question. what? I would
2: I would love to hear what you have to say about that. No, I don't. I am.
3: I don't need to throw you under the bus here. Uh, <laughs> I think that one thing that we really learned in couple counseling is what was the issues that we were dealing with as individuals that were coming up in the relationship, and that's really valuable because a lot of times you don't understand why something is triggering to a person. Mm-hmm. Until you have taken the time to unwrap with them in a safe environment, what, what the deal, with, what the deal is, right? Um, and going to a relationship counselor really helped us understand each other's triggers and past past issues. You know, nobody's perfect. Everybody has something that they should unwrap, peel the layers of the onions, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and that's probably the most valuable thing that we. Uh, learned about each other in uh, counseling. The other thing that it did for us is offer us a space where we know that we're going to work on issues that have come up, right? So a lot of times you're in your relationship and you feel really stuck about a particular issue and that can be a small thing like um, picking up stuff around the house or it can be a big thing like, do we want to have kids or do we want to get married? And um, when, it's, when it gets difficult to have those conversations, because for a lot of people it is, therapy gives a space where you can be like, okay, it's difficult to talk about it now, but let's talk about it in therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's very valuable.
0: But I think we also learned we're not perfect. It, it makes it sound like we've got this all yeah, figured no, out. Yeah, no, like we're, you
3: guys, we're a work <laughs> in progress. We're,
0: we're definitely a work in progress. Um, and I think the dynamics on the boat it's hard to have a relationship on a boat and everybody that we've known that is with a couple on a boat, if you really get to know them, will say the same thing. It's it's really hard. There's just so many other things. The stresses are so high some days, you know, like some nights you're just tired, you're really tired and all you want to do is get a good night's sleep and you go to bed thinking that that is going to happen and at two in the morning you're standing on the deck in your underwear in the rain because the boat's dragging and all chaos is is breaking loose in the anchorage
3: not speaking of experience of course (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) and so you know you're up for two or three hours dealing with that and then the stress gets high and you're tired and then you don't get a good night's sleep and then you have to deal with that the next day and then you know something triggers you and it, it just is hard Um, And that just kind of continually goes on. Now, don't get me wrong. We have good nights. We have most of them are good nights, (laughs) but that risk always exists. And I think that's one reason we're in a house right now, because we know the house shouldn't be moving. A couple couple
3: of weeks ago, there was this giant blizzard, arctic, crazy storm that uh, went through the United States. And here in Iowa, we took a big chunk of it. And Ryan and I, and everybody was like, oh my God, this is going to be so bad. And Ryan and I were so happy because we were in a house. Like, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> you were like, this is great. This. Oh,
0: oh yeah. look, like we can just enjoy the weather.
3: Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we can be by the fireplace. <laughs> yeah.
0: One thing I think I have learned a lot about myself is I suffered from a lot of anxiety in my life that I did not realize I was suffering from. Uh, and it, that didn't really come out until we went out sailing. Um which was very weird, but I think you noticed it right away. Like you noticed that I was having all this anxiety and it was really impacting me. And I was like, No, it's fine, everything's fine. Like, right.
3: <laughs> I think I think you should go to therapy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's okay, it takes time. It you know, it's like I came from a lot of male dominated worlds. Like I came from the aviation industry, the military, and then the rock climbing, mountain climbing world, and then into sailing, which is all very male oriented type a masculine you there's no Mm -hmm. room for failure there's no room for weakness um Mm -hmm. you know arenas and what i learned really fast uh especially at the beginning because i was just so worried all the time about the boat there was so much to learn i felt like i was in charge of sophie's and i's safety all the time Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of other guys out there in the same position that also felt the same way and nobody had outlets to talk about it, and I found that super interesting as yeah. we started going on. Like a lot of guys were scared, a lot of guys had questions, a lot of guys needed ways to vent and have outlets, and it just doesn't exist. Uh, especially like in the aviation world, I went back to a lot of my old pilot buddies who are still flying, and I you know asked them, hey, we, you know, when you we were in flight school, were you guys stressed out or? You know, were you scared? And they're like, yeah, all the time, but we didn't know who to talk to about it. Hmm. Um, I I learned that about myself, I think, within the first few years of us setting off.
3: And uh, to to give the perspective from the other side, uh, what it looks like a lot is a lot of uh, pent-up frustration in men uh, that sometimes come out in bouts of anger. Mm -hmm. And... um, And uncontrolled, like, negative emotion that eventually come out. And I think that a lot of people can recognize that. And, yeah, we've just... There are no good places for men to uh, express their emotion because it's uh, just the same way that talking about seeing a couple counselor is associated with a stigma. For a man to talk about uh, what they feel when it's not positive or doesn't reflect... Strength of character Mm. is uh, is considered to be uh, not a good thing. Yeah, which is bad. It should not be that way.
2: Of course, of course. I'd love to know from you, Sophie. What was it like then for you supporting Ryan, who was going through this anxiety? How how was it manif this anxiety? How was it manifesting in the day to day? And how were how how were you doing? Because if someone is suffering in the relationship or in a friendship whatever whatever the relationship might be if someone is affected by poor mental health it's not just them it's those people the ones that that love them that are also affected so how did it affect you and how did you work through that together what have been your coping mechanisms and what has really helped you to be in a much better headspace
1: and to be able to talk about it now so openly you obviously (laughs) must have faced into it to be able to recognize it to be able to talk about it like this it's really it's commendable
3: Uh, I'll be very, very honest at the time I felt like I needed support. Um, The way that it manifested, like Ryan would have a lot of anger about things that were absolutely not related to anything that was going on in the moment. So uh, to give an example, I could come out of the shower, look at the towel and say, oh my God, this towel doesn't smell very good. Maybe we should need, we should do some towel laundry one of of these days and Ryan would go on being super frustrated about something completely different and then, you know, be mad at concepts that, you know, were not on the table. It was, it was very weird and I was so confused by it. Um, now I have had to deal with anxiety myself and I, I recognize, you know, how sometimes ruminations lead to uh, bursts of, uh, of anger. And sadly, because I'm the only person around Ryan at this point, I am the only one to to take it.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's Mm. not
3: like from one day to the other, Ryan was like, oh, yeah, I'll just go to therapy and everything's going to be fine. Uh, I think that it created a lot of friction in our relationship Mm. um, that we first talked about with our couple counselor before we identified what the problem was. And then you went on to see your own therapist and... You're doing a lot better today i would say that there's still anxiety that manifests yeah, yeah, itself in a relationship and it still impacts us in some way but at least i think that you can take a couple of steps back and be like oh yeah that was my anxiety and um and i'm sorry that it manifested itself that way um yeah but i will say it's it's hard and i also want to draw a line here and to the people listening this that a lot of people will have mental health issues and be in relationships. I think that there, there is a point at which taking the mental health issue of your partner becomes unhealthy. and I think that it's very important for you to have very clear boundaries on what you're willing to accept. Mm-hmm. Um, but also making you keep you keep yourself safe in that. This lifestyle is not one that allows you to have a strong support system uh you're oftentimes very isolated and while the sailing community is fantastic and you'll m- meet new friends everywhere you go and you'll be partying all nights, all all days mm-hmm. uh wherever it is that you end up the type of friendship that um that can support you when you go through a difficult phase, or when you have like deep questions about your life. You know, uh, the sounding board of your best friend. Be like, okay, uh, me and my partner are having this discussion about kids, and it's not going well. I don't know what to do. You know, that mm-hmm. is very difficult to have when you live on a sailboat.
0: Yeah, and I think you hit on something right there. Is that the community that gets gets that the community that we're in in the sailing world is very interesting because we move around so often, we do see the same people from time to time, but you are so dependent on others that we make friends very fast. Sometimes you meet somebody in the morning when you arrive at an Anchorage and that night you're depending on them to save your house or they're <laughs> depending on you to save their house. And that that creates a very, like an instant bond a lot of times, but Sophie's really right that while it's there and you, you can become friends very fast, it takes a while to develop That kind of deeper bond where you can talk about those things and i and and then you know we have our friends back home that we do have those bonds bit with but those people don't understand the experiences that we're going through (laughs) so they'll say well you're on a boat like you're living the dream you're living your dream and it's like that that's true that's right but you don't you (laughs) you don't understand what we just went through the last two weeks and, and you never will um, so I think some of our best friends that we've really developed over the past four years are couple cruisers yeah. that also have YouTube channels or different things like that, <laughs> that can really relate to like all the different aspects that we're going through in our lives. And it, it is quite interesting when we talk to them because they all are struggling with, yeah. with a lot of the same problems. But yeah, it's that, that friend network that you, the friend network that really understands all the
1: different facets of your life is quite limited. I'd say. It is. Yeah, I think you've you've touched on a a lot there and there's a lot that we can relate to, I think, and definitely in terms of the community, like living full-time travel life is quite, it's a unique life still, you know, obviously not a lot of people can relate to it unless they've done it or are doing it themselves. So it's really important to have those people in your life to be able to understand one section of your life. And then of course, there's the people from home that it's harder to stay in touch with, but they're really important in another way because they understand who you are before you did this travel life. And of course, like you say, YouTube still, uh, and we say this quite often in the podcast, it's a it's a very new career and that comes with its own sets of challenges that a lot of people don't understand. Um, and let, like, I don't think you can understand what it's like to be a YouTuber unless you are a YouTuber. So the community there is is very important. Um, going back to the anxiety I'm just wondering what do you think it was about living full time on a boat that maybe brought the anxiety to the surface more so than when you were living land life as you called it Um, and how were you kind of able to deal with it talking from my own experience I, I wouldn't call it anxiety I don't think but for, since traveling full-time and not having a base anywhere I've definitely sometimes noticed like an unsettled feeling because you just don't have a home you know we're relying on our van we're in a country that's not a home country and then have to rely on other people around us if things go wrong and that can be quite unsettling not knowing where to call home and I don't know if that maybe could have been something to do with you or, or, or whether it's something com- completely different I don't know if you can relate or not
0: No, I don't think the home piece for me was the big driver. Um, Looking back on it, when I would go flying, for instance, before a flight, I might get a little anxious, especially if it was something new I was doing or you you knew we had a lot of weather we were flying into or it was going to be really challenging. And I would go and do that flight and it would maybe last two or three hours. And I'd come home and I'd just get to relax and kick back. And... It was a safe place, so maybe from that perspective, the home home was a safe place. Um, but it was it gave me the ability to kind of discharge the mind from you know the the event that was happening and that the just,
3: weight of responsibility. Yeah, the
0: weight of responsibility. I like that actually. <laughs> um, the problem on what's... I shouldn't say the problem. What's different on a boat versus you know taking a two week trip to Greenland in the you know backcountry uh, and skiing. Or flying in an airplane, or which you've be, done, which I've done, yeah, all of that stuff. <laughs> What's different on the boat is you are on twenty four seven,
3: and the stakes mm. are high,
0: and the stakes can be high. So, like like I mentioned before, we might get done sailing two weeks across the ocean, arrive at the anchorage, we're really tired, we just want to sleep, and then something happens when we get there, you know, and it, 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 you're just on all the time, so there's no. There's no break at all. You're always you're constantly making decisions. You're constantly having to think about what the weather's going to be the next day because do we need to move? Do we need to get to a safer place? or does tomorrow look great? And then how are we gonna go get groceries? Like how are we getting around the island? Um, and so you're always on, I think me and I have another sailing friend. We always joke that when we get off the boat, we just don't want to make decisions. Somebody else can come in <laughs> and make all the decisions. They can tell me when to shower. They can tell me when to eat. I just don't want to make decisions. Uh, and I think that that's where it really manifested. Is was just, you're always on. And for me, I would just felt like I was constantly making decisions. I constantly had a lot of responsibility. And so that's that's where it really kind of came out, I think.
3: I have no experience of being a parent. Uh, I We have not had children, nor will we have children, but uh, it's probably like being a parent, right? You're a parent 100% of your yeah. time. Uh, you always have to think about something, um, making sure that your kid is safe and their needs are fulfilled. Uh, the boat, the, the difference with the boat is that, of course, on occasion we can leave the boat Uh, we can also sell the boat that is socially acceptable
0: (laughs) 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 like a kid (laughs) like a
3: kid (laughs) do not do that it's bad um but yeah you're you're constantly on constantly something happening you never know what's the next thing that's gonna happen uh what you're gonna have to deal with uh can hit you at any time
1: yeah well i think thank you so much for being so open about all of that and it's It's really it means a lot that you can be so open about that stuff, and it kind of shows how far you must have come on your journey. Um, But we've we've spoken a lot about the challenges of boat life and of full time travel. But much like us, I think you planned originally just to do a six month trip and ended up doing four years. Yeah. Um, We were the same. We ended up planning to do one year, and we're like, yeah, that will be that'll be enough. Um, And you know, three and a half years later, we're we're still doing it. So that says to me at least that the compromises are worth it for the benefits of full-time travel and like all of the challenges that you face on the boat are haven't been enough to put you off doing it and you're still <laughs> going. So yes. why is that? What is so incredible about living on a boat to, to keep you going, keep you doing it?
2: Especially just to tag onto that, what makes boat life so incredible and and different and unique to other forms of travel and adventure like different experiences that you would get if you're backpacking van life or even if you were to go on a cruise what is it that you being out in the open sea you get a feeling that we can't relate and therefore those that are listening that would want to take on this lifestyle that they that you know it might convince them to 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 consider it i guess
1: what makes it all worthwhile yeah
3: yeah well thank you so much for asking that question because a lot of times when we talk about you know mental health and the challenges on the relationship uh, it sounds like we're complaining (laughs) Uh, and you're right it's been four and a half years now that we live this lifestyle so Mm. clearly something keeps drawing it drawing us back to it Uh, it's very addictive i think that probably same as you guys you go out there for a year and you're like oh my god we can do so much we can see so many things yet we haven't seen anything yet right Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. because the world becomes small and accessible because now you can take your home to these fantastic places and probably very much like the van you don't go to places where there are a lot of tourists right Uh, because tourism oftentimes uh, is dependent on good transportation infrastructures like airports and uh, hotels where people go to spend their holidays. Uh, when you have, when your home is also your mode of transportation, you can go to places where nobody goes and and truly get to explore the world. Um, the other thing that happens on the boat is that wherever we go, we experience those places like a local because we get there with our house and just as everybody else, we need transportation, we need to go to the grocery store, we need to go to the hardware store, uh, we go out to the pubs, to the restaurants, and, you know, it's, it's such a wonderful way to explore the world. And, you know, now that you've done it for a year and you've explored Europe, or well, you can do it for another year and explore the Caribbean in a third year go around the Atlantic for a little circuit. And, you know, my ultimate sailing dream is to sail to Japan, which I'm really hoping that's so cool. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, that's what keeps you going. I'm really hoping that we do it. But we have a few. It's like it was like starting to sail from scratch. It's a project that includes that involves a few milestones. Mm. Uh, It's a bit of a long term thing, but I'm sure I'm sure we'll get there. And it's going to be fantastic when we reach it because. I'll feel like, wow, I have truly done what I wanted to do with my life. <laughs>
0: I, the way I've looked at it is, and I didn't look at it when, when we left because the ocean is such a big place. At least I thought that that was the case. But 75% of the world is water. So you, can't, you cannot see the world unless you are on a boat. that's how I've looked at it you just can't see it you can you can pretend you can see it and you can fly to all these different places and most places have an airport you can fly to but it would be easy to think that oh it's just water every day will look the same on the sea and it's just not true like the the way the sun hits the water and the the sea life that you see and the bird life that you see it's like you cannot you just it's just different every day and I feel that there's just so much of the world that is missed because we're online there's there's just all this stuff out there um and yeah. so that that was something i was not prepared for and now the fact that we've crossed the atlantic three times um that also has given me and you probably too sophie the confidence that we can cross big oceans it's okay as long as you're prepared and do and it doesn't take that long really you know i mean for most people it's oh it's a few weeks on your boat but it is only a few weeks on your boat uh and think about how fast the last you know nine days of the new year have gone um it it doesn't take that long to just explore the world by boat and i think that that's so cool uh one of the questions that that you guys asked was then what what would be different between our little boat and a cruise ship and i think At least for me, one of the big differences is we are, our boat is is a 40-foot boat. It's not huge by any comparison, but we are right on the water. We can sit in our cockpit in the middle of the ocean while the cruise ship is passing us and just put our hand out the side and touch the water as it goes by. Mm. And what that also does is it allows us to feel the water. We get to feel the movement of the waves. We get to hear the the ocean underneath us, the birds and the the whales and the fish, all of that is right there and you don't get that on a cruise ship while you're, you wow. know, multiple floors that was above very, the sea. That
3: was very romantic. My answer was a lot more pragmatic. I was going to say, well, we don't have to deal with other people. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's true too. <laughs> well, Ryan, you, you've made your answers, made Tanya very emotional. <laughs>
2: yeah, it, it, it really has because... I, I everything you're describing is exactly the the magic that I envision with you know with living on on a boat and exactly as you said like I can imagine that on, on the best days where it's the end of the day you're you're completely independent you're self sufficient you have you have taught yourself a, a life skill where you had no idea how to sail now you're doing it and you just really feel like wow what is this life that i have you know that, that that we have chosen that that we've worked for i loved what you said about being in the sea you get to see the world in a completely different perspective and i think that that's really inspirational
1: i think the yeah the big similarity there is it's just you and the elements it's just you and the sea and it's just you know when it's us in a van it's like just us in the mountains and it's just feeling like You on your tiny little vessel in amongst nature and feeling so small, and that's like the special way of traveling. And you know, it being your home, being in your home in this like kind of alien environment, I imagine, especially the sea can feel like quite an alien environment. We're not, you know, we're land mammals, um, kind of gives you perspective. I imagine, I don't know, mate, I'm kind of putting words in your mouth, but that's how we sometimes feel when we're like on a mountain or have got a big epic view. We, I think. One thing I learned,
0: it took me a while to really appreciate it, but we are not in control when we're on the ocean. We can manage things. We can point the boat in the direction we want it to go, but the sea is really in control. And, you know, sometimes you just have some days where the waves and the swell are just so big and the boat's just slamming back and forth. And this you learn that like nature's in control you're you're not in control hmm. those are also the days that when the cruise ship goes by that we wish we were on the cruise ship <laughs> uh, you I know would eat, never. Eat, eating the buffet <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah it's uh it's just a it's just a different it's just a totally different you know atmosphere mm-hmm. the house doesn't move and we're living in it the car yeah. doesn't move while we're driving down the road hopefully um <laughs> yeah. and so yeah like these it's just I don't know like we we go away from it for a while and there's there are plenty of times when we get to the dock and we're like, I do not want to see that boat for yeah. a while and we step away and we come to Iowa or we go to wherever. But then it seems like there's always this moment where we're like, Okay, we need to get we need to go back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have
3: the the sail the boat day where we want to sail the boat, and then we have the sell the boat day where we want to
0: sell the boat. Sell the boat.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and if so you good. ask, and if you ask anyone who owns a boat and and sails more or less full time, they will tell you the same thing. Sometimes <laughs> you just want to sell the boat.
0: That's right. <laughs>
2: You mentioned some of the adventures that you have been on. I love it. If you could run us through just some top line recap of the places that you have traveled to, your voyages, and then maybe pick one place, one of your best travel experience each, maybe your best travel memory and yeah and i, I just love to know because you've seen so much of the world and so many different perspectives so yeah
1: you got to pick one each one of your one each of your so, favorites so li-
2: list off the places and the voyages you've been in and then and list off one each okay
3: so we started in Stockholm, sweden in the baltic then we went down to a little island called bonholm which is denmark Uh, Went to Germany in Kiel, where we took the Kiel Canal to go to the North Sea. We went down the North Sea via Amsterdam and France. Uh, We went to Brittany in my hometown. Quimper, it was beautiful. (laughs) Across the Bay of Biscay to northern Spain, then along the coast of Portugal, then down to Gibraltar, uh, inside of the Med on the southern Spanish coast, then up to the Balearic Islands, Mm -hmm. to Corsica, Sardinia, Sicily.
2: Malta. Malta.
3: And then we went down uh, back to Gibraltar, down to the Canary Islands, down to Cape Verde, across the Atlantic to Martinique, then a little while in those uh, islands in the Caribbean. COVID hit. Bomber. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Then we went down to Curacao and Bonaire, which is north of Venezuela. And then we decided to cross the Atlantic again, so we went north uh, all the way up to Bermuda, which is a tiny little island uh, on the same latitude as North Carolina, I believe. Mm -hmm. And from Bermuda, we crossed the Atlantic to the Azores, which is Portugal, Mm -hmm. but in the middle of the Atlantic, down to Madeira, back to the Canary Islands, back to Cape Verde, back to the Caribbean, back to Bermuda again, and now we're on the (sighs) East Coast of the United States.
1: Wow, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Not only that you've done all that traveling, but that you can reel it off like that. That's very impressive. (laughs) It's been about
0: 25,000 nautical miles that we've done since we left. So that gives you an idea of distance. So what's been your favorite? Okay,
3: Malta. Malta was absolutely incredible. We arrived in Malta, I felt thrown in a fantasy book, in a video game. Um, (laughs) Some of game of thrones has been shot in malta and mm. it is absolutely stunning it's mm. gorgeous the atmosphere the people the food um i love malta malta was a highlight how about you
0: um i i'm sitting here thinking and i really have a tough time because there's so many moments that pop up into my head
3: a tough time picking
0: yeah like i mean sophie and i would both agree that portugal anything portugal portuguese islands yes. uh Azores and Madeira are amazing. Um, For me, though, I think one of the moments, anything that has sea life involved, like whales popping out of the ocean is amazing, but that's not a particular place. The, The one moment that sticks out to me the most, and I've experienced it twice now, is when we arrived in the Caribbean for the first time. Uh, it was on New Year's Day of 2020. Oh, yeah. And we were coming into Martinique. Uh, we were hoping to make it before New Year's Eve, but we didn't quite do it. And so we arrived at 8 in the morning. But that night, um, as the sun was coming up, I was on watch. And we couldn't see Martinique yet, but I could smell it. Um, so we we had been offshore for, what, 17 days? It took yeah. 17 days. So we'd been offshore for 17 days. And before you could see land... You could smell the flowers and the trees and the dirt and the grass, like, and you're just so desensitized, I think, to those everyday smells because you're on earth all the time that when you're away from it for a while and then it just kind of blasts you in the face, you know, when you get close enough, it was a really... um powerful experience for me and i remember i said to you so many times like god i can just like smell it like i can smell the land and it's such a cool feeling um and when i was really interested because when we crossed back this year i was really i was wondering if i would experience that same thing and i i did and it was just a really cool cool thing so that's when we landed in in martinique in 2020
1: so That's amazing. That's really interesting. I've never thought of it like that because obviously I never feel like I've smelt the land. Like I've smelt the sea and I guess that's because I don't spend my life on the sea. So it makes sense that the other way around, spending your life on the sea, coming back to land, that you'd smell it. That's that's amazing. Um, So guys, we know that you have just released uh, a course all about how to basically take on the challenges that you have and to move on board a boat and it seems like from what we've read about it it seems like an incredible comprehensive guide that kind of covers everything so what could people who are interested in following in your footsteps maybe taking on the challenge of boat life why should they look into your course what can they expect from it because from from it seems like if we were going to do boat life we would we would be looking at your course very very <laughs> <Yes>. seriously.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're very happy to send you a copy. Uh, oh, no. thank you, guys. I'll, I'll, I'll arrange to send you a copy uh, after this. But uh, when we get started ourselves, there was no good resource to get us from zero to full time. Um, we started by buying a few books about sailing itself, and we took a course about sailing. But the course about sailing, while it taught us how to handle a boat, didn't teach us how to buy one or how to equip it. What's 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 on the boat? Do I need a watermaker? How do I um, size my my battery bank when I need power? Or uh, how do I research destinations? Uh, It doesn't really do that. And so you have to piece together all of the information. And that's let alone how to budget for a life at sea or how Mm -hmm. to prepare your relationship uh, for the challenges of uh, life on board, which we have uh, talked about. So over the course of two or three years, we really pieced up together all of those things that uh, we felt we needed to know. And then four years after we left the dock, we realized that there was actually a lot more that we wanted to know. Mm -hmm. So. As a content creator it had always been my objective to put together a resource for people who were like us seven years ago so that they would have access to all of the things that you need to know about and learn about um, on your journey so that you can leave the dark and uh, and be successful because it's it's a hard lifestyle it's great it's fun there is tons of reward Um, But I think that you're gonna be so much more successful if you have all the pieces of the puzzle in place before you go. It's a course in three parts. Uh, We did it together with a company called Bright Trip. Uh, It was a team of 10 people that worked on the course. Um, I wrote it together with uh, Michelle Segrest, who's a sailing writer and a cruiser herself. Uh, And then there was a team of a few producers and editors who made the course absolutely beautiful. Uh, and nothing like that really exists. So we're very proud of it. It's, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good course. I wish we had that seven years ago.
2: Well, firstly, congratulations on, on putting us together because it sounds like it's a extremely comprehensive it's value-packed and you can tell that you put a lot of work and um, you know blood sweat and tears into it so we will definitely be linking your course in the show notes so that anyone that's listening if this sounds good to you please do go over and click the link and it's a great way to support Ryan and Sophie as well guys Thank you so, so much for all of your time. Before we go, where can people find you to follow along on your journey online and connect with you? So if you Google Ryan and Sophie,
3: you will 100% find us. We are on YouTube uh, where we have a channel where we like to share the stories of our adventure. We have a brand new website uh, at RyanandSophie.com. It's great and it's full of uh, resources. And uh, we're on Instagram where we share Mm-hmm. Um, like beautiful pictures and uh, silly stories
1: perfect we will of course link all of that in the show notes as always and we highly recommend you go and check them out because they're yeah i mean their boat life everything just looks so incredible and their, their videos are are great um So guys, we've just got one more question that we need to ask you before we let you go. And that is, we need to ask you to come up with a secret code emoji. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this tradition that we have on the podcast, but effectively, we ask all our guests to come up with a secret code emoji that the listeners can then reach out to you on Instagram or to us on Instagram and use a secret code emoji so that we know that they've got this far into the conversation and they can continue chatting with you if they've got any further questions about your boat life or about your course then
2: or, or, or just to say that they appreciated the conversation exactly
1: then they can get your attention with the following code emoji
2: so what will it be this week <laughs> we're gonna go with the toilet <laughs> the
1: toilet <laughs> brilliant
3: okay wait, what, why the toilet guys i am actually surprised that we have gone so far into this conversation without talking about toilets because it's you're like right, actually. That ryan and i love
0: toilets on boats is a whole thing and um, <laughs> On boat Sophie's it's
1: pretty a, Sophie's very opinionated about it it's a so.
3: symbol of resilience <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no you're right it's this exactly the same with van life it's quite a unique experience so I mean we don't want to take the opportunity away from you if you want to talk about um, toilets on boat life then you know the stage <laughs> is yours.
0: It, it's it's really a kind of a it's reset in the scene for a whole nother podcast I fear.
3: <laughs> no, no no but like wait all you have to know all you have to know about the, the toilet that's on our boat is that i now have a stain on my right thumb uh, because i had a blisters for i had a giant blisters for years because i was flushing because our our manual our hand pump manual toilet it chafes against against my thumb and so i think you were
1: pumping too hard i
3: have i have a scar on my thumb Mm -hmm. because of my toilet
1: oh my goodness yeah (laughs) but
3: this year my project is to replace that manual pump with an electric toilet because you guys there is nothing that is as underrated
2: as flushing a toilet with the press of a button (laughs)
1: oh that does sound very fancy
2: and you've got the scars to prove it and i I love this because now there's so much more meaning behind the the toilet emoji
3: the toilet emoji that's right so everybody send us your toilet emojis we're excited to receive them uh i I may answer with a little poopy one
1: Boat life, van life, full-time travel in general—not always as glamorous as it might seem from the outside. Yeah. And I think we
2: scrappy travel. We love it, and
1: we've done very well to demonstrate that. I think in uh, this conversation. Thank you so, so much. For your time and it was so nice speaking to you and yeah it seems like we've got so much left to talk about that we'll have to do another episode at some point we'll have to steal another hour of your time absolutely <laughs> our pleasure yeah. thank
2: you so much <laughs> thank you and so much. uh we maybe we we'll meet on the road or at <laughs> sea <laughs> bye guys thanks guys bye. thanks bye Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast or have found it helpful in any way and can think of someone else who would appreciate it too, then please do share it with them. Not only does it help get our podcast out to more people, but you never know that someone might need to hear this conversation. Other ways to support the podcast are in the show notes. This podcast isn't sponsored, so anything you can do to help it grow helps us continue to have conversations just like this one with fantastic guests.